I love that last song that Brother Stanley sang. Indeed, it should be a grand and glorious feeling, knowing, knowing, beyond any shadow of a doubt, what waits for us. But I also know that many times life can get in your way and uh, things happen and even though you know where you're going, it's awful hard to visualize what's ahead. There are things that happen in your life, things that bring you down, and even though you know what's ahead, you may not exactly have that grand and glorious feeling in the moment. I believe a lot of us are probably uh, there. I believe a lot of people are at a place right now to where there are things in their life that prevents them from having that depth of joy and comfort. They know what's ahead, but in front of them instead is something that is blocking your vision. And this came last week. I shared a verse as I was uh, uh, preaching out of Zechariah 4 and 6 that talks about not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Now, oftentimes as Pentecostals, we will stop right there and we understand that it is the power of the Holy Ghost that does what needs to be accomplished in our life. It is the Holy Ghost that draws us to a point of salvation. In other words, you cannot come and submit your life to Christ unless the Holy Spirit has drawn you. You can come to do it to appease Grandma, but it don't stick. I know because I've done it. I've went to the altar to appease someone else, and it just didn't stick. Why didn't it stick? Because I didn't want it to. But if the Holy Spirit draws you, it will take hold. It will put something new and different in your life. We look and we see that it's by the power of the Holy Ghost that cancers can drop away, that the dead can be raised. We see miracle after miracle that is by the power of the Holy Ghost. So oftentimes we will stop right there at 4 and 6 and we won't look at the rest of that book. This morning, I'm going to read from Zechariah 4 and 7, the very next verse. So as y'all find that, if you would, stand for the reading of the word, or you can just read it off the screen. Either way. I love this next verse, maybe more than I love talking about by the power of the Spirit. Zechariah 4 and 7 says, Who art thou, O great mountain, before Zerubbabel? Thou shalt become a plain. We could just as easily this morning look and say, Who art thou, O great mountain? Before Teresa, you shall become a plain. Before James, you shall become a plain. Before Stanley, brother, your mountain can become a plain. And he shall bring forth the headstone thereof with shoutings, crying, Grace, grace unto it. Heavenly Father, I pray simply this morning that we could encounter you. Lord, that we are willing, submissive, and ready, God, to be able to see you speak to things in our life. Lord, to be able to accept what you have. Lord, I pray that we could simply encounter you this morning and glorify and honor you in all that we do. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning I've got a very simple title. Most of you probably seen it on Facebook. I put up a little graphic. It's simply Mountain Be Moved. 
That simple. Mountain be moved. And I'm not really going anywhere else other than that one verse, but I do want to cover a few things that is in Zechariah because Zechariah is a beautiful book. We don't pay it a lot of attention because it is so difficult to wade through because it covers so many different things. It covers an actual rebuilding of a temple in that particular day. It is a call to repentance. It's visions of the future. And then once you get through all of that, then you have this whole end section, the last five chapters or so, that simply point to the very end of times, uh, looking forward to the Messiah coming. But aside from all of that, it is a book that is a call to repentance. Anytime you see one of the uh, prophets or really anything in the Bible first starts with the call to repentance. And Zechariah does exactly that. In chapter 1, verse 3, it says, Therefore say unto them, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Turn ye unto me, saith the Lord of hosts. But I love the promise in Zechariah. Some of the other ones, you have these real harsh uh, calls to repentance. and But Zechariah is not so harsh. God simply looks at them and he says, Go tell my people, turn to me. But if they will turn to me, I will also turn to them. This morning, I, I don't know the state of anyone's heart. I don't know where anyone is at as far as being submitted to Christ. I don't know if you're living a sanctified life. I don't know if you're filled with the Holy Ghost. Most of you, I could probably look and make a good guess by the fruits in your life. But the truth is, is I really don't know. So this morning, we're going to start with that very first part. If you're not following Jesus Christ, you need to follow the word of the Lord when he says, Turn ye unto me. He is calling for people to follow after him, to live as he would have you to live, to walk as he would have you to walk, to do the works that he has placed in your heart and in your hands to do the things to build the kingdom. Now I suspect that most people in here are in that state of mind, that state of life. I look across and I see people that I believe are following Jesus Christ. Well what I have come specifically this morning to tell you is that he is also turned towards you. Sometimes that's awful hard to see because there's a mountain standing in your way. Sometimes it's awful hard to see that God is really working all things together for the good of those that love the Lord because you have life going on right in front of you. You have things that are preventing you from seeing how grand and glorious heaven really is. You've got divisiveness. I, I looked at that song Heaven's Jubilee. I love that song so much because of that third verse in there when it talks about singing in the Holy Ghost with all the heavenly host. Why do I love that so much? Because right now and, and I'll use this example and get in trouble later. I tell Joni that she speaks female and I speak English. We look at friends and people in our life and we try to communicate and we just don't seem to be on the same level. We get someone in the hospital and we go and the doctors are talking to us and they're talking a different language than what our faith is trying to speak. We have trouble communicating with brothers and sisters in church. We can't look at one piece of art and get the same opinion from two people, but there is coming a day. There is coming a time when we are all going to be in the 
confines of heaven and there's not going to be any more speaking female and speaking English. There's not going to be any more differing opinions on what the gospel means. There's not going to be any more issues on how we're supposed to do church. There's not going to be any more arguing over the color of the carpet in the church or what kind of tile in the foyer. But what we will be doing is singing in unity with that heavenly host. We'll be speaking the same language as the angels. We'll be speaking the same language as someone from Mexico, from Pakistan, from China, or my hillbilly language from West Virginia. It's not going to matter. We're all going to be singing in the Holy Ghost. Well, I done got way off track. There's that assurance that God has turned to us not just then, but also now. We, we will have unity there, but we can have peace and comfort here. We will have joy unspeakable there and full of glory, but we can have joy now. Why do I know that? Because he says, if you will turn to him, that he will turn to you. God is not chaos. God is not lies. God is not... Um, discomfort. God is not all of these things. God is peace and comfort and joy and love and mercy and grace. So in the call to repentance in Zechariah, you also have this promise. This assurance that God is with you. This morning when I look across Mill Creek Church of God, I see a group of people. You need to understand that God is with you right now. No matter what sickness is going on in your life, God is with you. You may not be able to see God for the sickness, but I promise you this morning that if you have turned towards Him this morning, He has turned to you. He loves you. He cares for you. But there's also that assurance within Zechariah, that God will bring what he started to completion. You see, that's another problem that plagues our life sometimes. We know that God has spoken something to us or about us or about our family, about what ministry we're supposed to be in. You can pick any number of things. But life happens and gets in the way and we look and we do not see a possibility of how God can bring it to pass. We have been assured that he will continue to call for our children, but we don't see how he can speak to someone that is high on drugs all the time. I don't know how he can either, but I know God is God, and the Holy Ghost can talk through anything. Don't you give up on what God has spoken to you. Don't give up on how you raise someone. What you need to do, rather, is stand on the word that if you have trained them up in the ways of the Lord, that His way will not depart from them. In other words, His Holy Spirit will continue to call after them. If He has told you that you've got a ministry you need to do, yet you have fallen, you have walked away, someone has been bad-mouthing you, someone's destroyed your character, none of that matters. If God has spoken it, His gifts and callings are without repentance repentance and he has spoken it and it will come to pass see we have all of that in Zechariah also that not just that we need to repent and he will be with us and giving us that assurance that he is with us in the here and now but there's also an assurance in Zechariah that what he has spoken and what he has ordained and what he has set into motion will come to pass there's not a devil in hell or a man on earth that can change it but then there's also the promise of the coming kingdom of God. 
in Zechariah is that no wonder with all of these things in there that we don't preach Zechariah a whole lot other than not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. It's no wonder we don't delve into some of these other parts. Now we can see the part about God wanting you to persevere and that he will complete in the text that I read. Who art thou, O great mountain before Zerubbabel? Thou shalt become a plain. And he shall bring forth the headstone thereof. With shoutings, crying grace unto it. You see what had went on is there had been this long period of a temple that was supposed to be built, but people trying to work against it. One group wanted their work done a certain way. Another one had to have it a certain way. There was a decree. There wasn't a decree. You can read about it all through Ezra and Nehemiah. But there was a point when God finally spoke and he said, it's got to come to pass. I've done said this temple's going to be built and it's going to be built. And he looked at Zerubbabel and he said, it doesn't matter what they've done in the past. It doesn't matter what they're going to try tomorrow, but it will come to pass. And it didn't really matter, if we want to be real honest, who Zerubbabel was or who Joshua was, who was also the high priest there who was helping him out. Why do I say that? We can go back to chapter 3 and we see Joshua standing before the angel of the Lord. And in particular, verse 3 in chapter 3 says that he was clothed in filthy garments this is the high priest of the Lord standing before God in the throne room of heaven in this vision that he's seeing clothed in filthy garments now there's some of you that your mountain might be not your children not being able to see what they're doing not your parents not some situation at work, but your mountain might be something in your past because all you can see is that you are standing there clothed in filthy garments. You're letting what you've done yesterday hold you back from what God has for you tomorrow. You're letting what you've done last week hold you back from ministry next week. But you see, what I understand this to say is that when Joshua went before God, yes, he was in filthy garments. I have to imagine that even myself standing before the Lord, I would be viewed as filthy garments because that's exactly what I am walking in the flesh. I'm not going to reach perfection. I'm not going to reach the fullness of everything that God has for me in an immortal body and putting on the incorruptible until I am changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. But God sees us a little different. See, when God looks at us and he calls us into something, I believe he talks to us just like he told the angels to do with Joshua. He said, I want you to go and I want you to strip off those filthy garments that's on him. And I want you to get him cleaned up. I want you to put some clean stuff on him because I have caused thine iniquity to pass from thee. There's nothing you can do other than submit to Jesus Christ. But you cannot let yesterday hold you back. You cannot let other things in your life hold you back. You see, Satan wants you 
Satan wants every mountain he can muster up standing right in front of you. He wants every deed you've done in the past brought up over and over in front of you. He wants every time that you viewed yourself as being nothing but clothed in filthy garments standing in front of you. He wants every mistake your children make standing in front of you. He wants every mistake your spouse makes standing in front of you and messing up your marriage and messing up your ministry. Satan wants you. But God said, I have looked and I have taken away thine iniquity. Now I'm going to skip over to 8, and then I'm going to go back to chapter 4. Why? Because we need what's in chapter 8. There is an exhortation there to be strong. This morning, I'm telling you, you need to be strong. You need to quit worrying about all of those other things, as hard as it may be, and you need to be strong. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, let your hands be strong. This is not just Pastor Steve up here telling you, you need to be strong. The Lord of hosts has spoken and he said, Let your hands be strong, ye that hear in these days these words by the mouth of the prophets, which were in the day that the foundation of the house of the Lord of hosts was laid, that the temple might be built. For before these days there were, was no hire for man, nor any hire for beast, neither was there any peace to him that went out or came in because of the affliction. For I said, all men, every one against his neighbor, but now I will not be unto the residue of the people as in the former days, saith the Lord of hosts, for the seed shall prosper. I believe that we are hitting that time now when we need to start looking at things and we need to start speaking to it and saying that God has already claimed and spoken in his word that this seed will prosper, that this will be built, that this ministry will see completion, that this church will see revitalization, whatever it may be that is in your view but is being blocked, it's time we start looking at it and we start knowing that God has already said this seed shall prosper. The vine shall give her fruit. Look, I pray, and I've told y'all before, I don't pray for harvest in the church I pray for laborers for the harvest there's all kinds of fruit out there we just need someone to go out and get it I don't need more disciples in the pew I need more disciples making disciples I need people that is not afraid to take out a sickle and stick out there and harvest the ones that come in yes we may have to separate some of them out later but I don't care who they are go out and get them and bring them in I need laborers for the harvest because the word speaks time and time again that the vine shall give her fruit the fruit will hang out there and rot if we are not able to go get it but there's so many mountains in front of people that they're afraid to move the ground shall give her increase and the heavens shall give their due and I will cause the remnant of this people to possess all these things why do we think we have to be anything other than an heir and joint heir with Jesus Christ and able to possess everything that God has put around us? Why? Because we have mountains in front of us. We're not strong. We look and we see all the problems and never a solution. 
We look and we see everything that can fail instead of everything that can go right. We look and we will see every attack that the devil has before us and we will never not once look at the power of God that is standing behind us. And it shall come to pass that as you were a curse among the heathen, O house of Judah and house of Israel, so will I save you and you will be a blessing. Fear not, but let your hands be strong. I challenge you this morning, be strong. I challenge you this morning to know that God is with you. His promise over in chapter 1 is just bookended right here. He said, fear not, have strong hands. At the beginning, he said, if you will turn to me, I will turn to you. You need to understand this morning that it is not your strength, but in your weaknesses, he is made strong. We need to rest on the strength of the Lord. We need to understand that God is with us every step of the way, and if he has called us to do something, he will give us the strength and the power to see it through. If he has promised you heaven, don't put your eyes on the mountain over on the side. Know that what God has said will come to pass. Now back over to the verse I started with. Who art thou, O great mountain? Before, insert your name there. That mountain shall become a plain. And he shall bring forth the headstone thereof, or the final completing stone of what has been spoken, what has been promised, what has been felt in your heart. And it will be brought forth with shoutings, crying, Grace, grace unto it. Or beauty. That word is kind of complex. It's both grace and beauty. And it really just draws attractiveness to the beauty of what God is trying to do, what God is trying to complete in you. If you keep looking at that mountain without understanding that it can become a plain, you will never see the beauty in what God is trying to do for you. You will never be able to shout and draw attention to the work of God both now and in the future if you do not see the beauty in what God is doing. But he says that that great mountain, great mountain, your mountains are not little. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. Even the one that God was speaking to, the one that God had tasked to build the very temple in which he would dwell and speak to his people had great mountains in front of him. But the thing is, is that is not necessarily talking about a physical mountain. What he's doing is talking about the obstacles and difficulties that stood in front of Zerubbabel. Not just the obstacles and difficulties, but if you go back over and read in Ezra, you will see that people tried to stop what God was doing also. The great mountain is not just the ruins that was there from before. 
You see, it's all of these things. It's the people around you speaking into your life. It's the past that you didn't submit to Christ that is nothing but a, a bunch of rubble now and rubbish that needs cleared away. It's obstacles that come into your path. All of these things are mountains. They're mountains of opposition, not just to you, but to God's work. You need to understand that too. What you're doing is not of you. What is set before you is the work of the Lord, not your work. Zerubbabel had all kinds of hindrances. But God looked to him and he said, that mountain will become a plain. I believe that's what you need to know this morning. Will you hand out those just slips of paper? Brother James, and, and if one of y'all wants to help him, he's got some paper. And I'm going to explain what it's for. Y'all notice probably that I put a box up here on the altar. What y'all probably do not know is, I believe it was, if I have the date right, February 22nd of 2021, during the altar service, I had y'all write on a slip of paper and bring it and lay it on the altar, something you wanted God to do for you. And we had them all in a pile right here on the altar. After service, I did not throw those papers away. I put them in a box, and they've been taped up in that box in my office. And when I'm in my office, not every day, I don't want to lie to you, but when I'm in my office, I look over and there's that box, and I will pray for what y'all wrote down and laid on the altar. What these pieces of paper are for is I want you to write down what your mountain is. Do you have a mountain that is affecting your spiritual life? Do you have a mountain that is blocking what you're able to see? That's making it difficult for you to pray? Difficult for you to read? I'm just being real. Those are difficulties in life. Sometimes it's hard to pray. You feel like your prayer ain't getting nowhere outside of your head. It surely isn't going above the roof of your house. You feel like God hasn't answered something in 40 years. You feel like He's not hearing you anymore. That's a mountain. Sometimes it's hard to get in the habit of reading the Word of God. You get up and life is so busy. You start on task A and then task B, and before you know it, you've went through the day and you've not even cracked open the Bible. Is there something affecting your spiritual life? Has something happened that is you feel like is holding you back from what God has for you? Some mountain that's standing in your way that you can't seem to get over or around. There might even be something blocking your view of heaven. You feel like you can't even make it anymore. In Mark 11, verse 23, Jesus said, For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, 
and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Going down to verse 24. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever ye desire when you pray, believe that you receive them, and ye shall have them. Now I'm not, I don't believe as I read the text that Jesus is telling you to ask for material things. He's talking about removing that mountain. Whatever that mountain is in front of you, if you will speak to it, it has to move. He told Zerubbabel the same thing. Zerubbabel had this great mountain in front of him, and he was trying to build the temple of God. And God came down and spoke to it and said, Great mountain, you will become a plain. Jesus said, If you speak to it, it can be plucked up and thrown into the sea. So what I want you to do this morning is write on that piece of paper your mountain. We don't have a sea standing by that we can cast it into, but we got a box, and that box will be covered with prayers. I don't look at it. I don't look in it. They're just in there. But before we start doing that, I want to ask, and go back to that Zechariah 1 and 3. Have you turned to Jesus? Have you turned to Jesus? Because he said if you will turn to him, he will turn to you. I don't know the state of anybody's heart. But I know if you have not turned to him, today is the day of salvation. There is no day like today to come and submit your life to Christ. And you can do it at the same time as you come to drop a mountain into the box that you think is going to hold you back from it. Here's what I want you all to do, if you would. Just fold that paper so no one can see it. It's nobody's business. And all that will, what I want you to do is come and put that mountain on the altar. Just put it in that box. It should be open enough to where you can get it in. We'll just do that. And after you drop it in the box, go find a place to pray. And I want you to be very specific this morning. Not just general prayers. But when you lay it on the altar, I want you to go speak to it and tell it to be removed. I know that may sound a little out of the ordinary for me, but I just believe the Word of God. That if you will speak to those mountains, they can be plucked up and cast into the sea. That great mountains have to become a plain before you. That those things that have been holding you back have to be removed and allow for you to move forward in Jesus Christ. So if you would, all that had a mountain, come and put it in that box and find somewhere to pray and speak to that mountain and tell it to be gone.